Thank you for joining us for Three Bs on the Law podcast, hosted by Trisha Barita, Camille Canali, and Susan Dawson. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. And welcome back to Three Bs on the Law. With COVID cases on the rise, we thought it would be a good opportunity to revisit the Family First Coronavirus Act that we were talking about so much over the summer and last spring. Uh, that would include your Paid Sick Leave Act and the expanded FMLA portion of the FFCRA. So, Trisha, what are you what are you hearing out there? What are you seeing? Are you seeing people asking questions related to the FFCRA? Yeah, I think people are are trying to remember if they haven't had a COVID case in their workplace in a while, you know, reaching back going, okay, what is it that I'm exactly was I supposed to do? How does this work again? You know, do I need to, you know, um, uh, make sure that this person gets FFCRA leave or do I give them FMLA first or do regular FMLA first or do I give them vacation or sick or PTO? And so, um, you know, that can be, you know, if you don't remember all the millions of questions and everyone's kind of all in tune to that, a lot's happened since the DOL released all those FAQs and we got through the regs. So the answer to that, if you're trying to figure that out, should be that, you know, you, you're looking to give them their FFCRA leave first because that's the way it was written, right? It was written in mind with that you're not going to suck up the vacation of the employees. You're going to give them this opportunity to take this leave. I think in hopes, I think when it was created was that generally these people are taking it because they're sick with COVID, right? Or that they're quarantined. I mean, the the whole point of the, of the act was to also compensate, even if you're not sick, but you can't go into the office because you have to be quarantined at home, either because you're asymptomatic or you had contact. Right. So then when you're looking at how you deal with that, if, okay, what if they used all that up by now? right? And now you're revisiting it, you're getting more COVID back in the workplace. You know, how do you handle it if they've already used up their 80 hours? What's left for them? Of course, they have the expanded FMLA, but that's related only to the, you know, the care provider or a child, right? And you needing to care for a child. So how do they deal with that? Then you can go into your other forms of leave that are available for you. So that may be, you know, PTO, if you're, you have that in your handbook or vacation or sick or, um, you know, possibly ADA leave if if needed, that's unpaid leave or um, FMLA, regular FMLA, right guys? Right, and I think with schools shutting down, we're seeing more and more parents due to the rise. Some schools here that were allowed to open up now have to shut down and kids are at home. And so we're seeing that more of that, you know, parents needing to stay home to care for, and quite frankly, supervise homeschooling because young kids, you know, can't, focus on Zoom for more than, you know, half an hour at a time usually. So, you know, the parent actually has to sit with the child and that's taking into work time too. And so we're seeing a rise in that reason for taking the expanded leave. Yeah. What are you seeing, Susan? Well, I I'm seeing that a lot of businesses have just kind of lost that rhythm of dealing with the COVID cases. Back in May and June, when we were, 
you know, really rolling with this stuff. People had become aware of what the laws were. They were following the processes. If someone someone calls in, they send the, the, the standard form, they have the employee fill it out. But then, but then cases kind of started to decline. The world started opening up again. Companies started getting a little bit more complacent in their following of, of the procedures. And now here we are and they're getting inundated with calls. It's not, it's not that little trickle that it was, or maybe everyone was healthy for a while, but suddenly they're dealing with more and more calls and they're forgetting to go through those steps. So I, I think it's a good idea for us to kind of walk through those just high level basic steps when it comes to this law as a refresher course, because, you know, people throw out the, the leave, right? So Family First Coronavirus Act, we're talking about two separate acts. There's paid sick leave, and then there's expanded FMLA. And I have a lot of clients getting confused again on what those two things are. So what do you uh, want to, who wants to just take us through a quick refresher? <laughs> Trisha, you want to, or, or yeah, I mean, a quick refresher? So, to maybe look, just to do the first three reasons and the payment required and then the last three reasons and the payment required. I always think that's a great way to break it up. I was just going to clarify that for anyone that's kind of confused and squishing these together. They're actually, if you read the actual act, they're in two different even parts of the act. They are right. actually separated out as two different types of leave. One of them is falling under like um, the FLSA and uh, Fair Labor Standards Act, which is your overtime and and your you know um, minimum wage kind of laws, versus the FMLA, which is a, an you know already existing Family Medical Leave Act, of course, with its many reasons that applies to most you know employers that are over fifty employees. So they're totally two different ones. They get squished together because, of course, what did the DOL do? They put them together on that poster, which I think can get a little confusing because of the way they interact with each other. So Camille, if you want to break down those different six reasons, I think that will help out. So the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, FFCRA, that we've been talking about applies to employers with less than 500 employees. And of course, if you're lucky enough to live in California, California has supplemental, supplemented that. And now employers with over 500 employees also have to comply with the same requirements generally. So make sure you check that out. But essentially, um, for any of these three reasons, you have to pay uh, a maximum payment of $511 per day or $5,110 in the ag aggregate. If, that, if their full salary is more than that, you're off the hook for the balance. But if you are an employee is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order, and I know there's been some confusion about that, about whether what an order is versus a recommendation, and I think some right. employers have gotten hung up on that. Um, if the employee has been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine due to concerns related to COVID-19, and I know there are issues about whether they had to provide a doctor's note. And what was the answer? I know, Susan, that was. You cannot require a doctor's note. You got it. And the last one is the employee is experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and actively seeking a diagnosis. So for those, you have to pay full salary. And Tricia, do you want to handle the two-thirds salary reasons for the 80 hours? Sure. So at the two thirds, the qualifying reasons are going to be what they call number four and number um, 
number five and number six. And so uh, we'll talk about number five kind of on its own, I think, because that's uh, a little bit more complicated. But number four is is caring for an individual subject to an order described in number one, which is the self um, the subject to federal, state, or local quarantine that Camille was talking about, um, or is described in number two, which is the healthcare provider advising that you should have some self-quarantine related to COVID-19. Um, the number six reason on the list uh, for the DOL poster is experiencing any other substantially similar conditions specified by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, blah, blah, blah. Nothing's been declared, so don't worry about that right now. Uh, we'll stay tuned. Uh, I think they were, we all think that <laughs> that they had that put in there as a catch-all because at the time that this was all created, they didn't really know would there be multiple different coronaviruses? Would we be, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, God forbid, no more. <laughs> but COVID-20, COVID-21. So uh, we haven't heard any of that. And they were trying to figure out a way to reach back to this and pull it back in and and continue to have this, um, this paid sick leave available to employees. So then the number five, I don't know if Susan, you kind of want to explain that, um, but it, it is a that's the tricky one that gets you into the EFMLA, and you're right. using the paid sick leave together. Well, the number number five is is really due to you know a child's school or daycare is closed, um, you know, and there's there's a lot of details that we probably don't need to go into in this episode. We did go into those in detail when we talked about schools back in session. We had a podcast where we talked about what does that mean and and what's closed and when is it qualified. But for number, so yeah, so number five is really childcare. So what, what I try to explain to businesses when I'm talking to them is really focusing on those those first those first two categories. They're subject to a quarantine order, which means they either have COVID or they had contact with COVID or they are, might have COVID and someone said, stay home, right? I mean, by healthcare provider, right? Or or the, the th category three really only deals with going to get tested, going to the doctor, that wait time, that day, that all, that all, that one's such a short period of time. And that's what trips a lot of people up because they they're like well they went they went to get tested do i have to pay them while they waited in line to get tested if they were supposed to be working why yes you do right that's category 3 but then after they were tested and they were told to go stay home for until they got the test results now that's category 2 so these categories get confusing to employers the bottom line is if you're if they're being tested or a healthcare provider is telling them to stay home they could qualify for ffcra so send them the form right you should all have all businesses should have a form for requesting this leave send them the form let them fill it out make sure you have that in place or if they can't fill it out you can maybe orally fill it out with them on the phone mm -hmm. until you can yeah. get, get because let's face it you're not bringing them in to fill the form and you know i've run into problems with employers where they're dealing with employees that don't have uh computers at home they don't have maybe high level phones. Uh, so the ability for them to sign and fill out these forms may not be there. But you know, going to the extent where you're getting the information that's needed on these forms, both for try to get the tax benefit of this and also to comply with the FFCRA and be able to show you complied. I think you're right, Susan, I think we've heard it loosely termed this sort of breakdown of this self-care kind of, if you're in, in the first three reasons, you're talking about the individual actual employee. And then when you kind of get into four, it's they're caring for an individual or they're caring for a child um, and leaving six out of it because that's the, the unknown. But 
Um, if you break those down, that's the first three you're looking at where you're pulling, you're paying more up to the $511 a day full time and uh, pay and then the two thirds pay. But I mean, after you start to get into all this minutiae and you're breaking it all down, don't forget there is a difference. Don't just start paying people full pay and you don't know because you're not right. going to get the tax credit back for that on, on, once those reasons are explained to the IRS. So you need to have, make sure you really understand this and that you're following it appropriately. And let's talk about the elf in the room here, right? Like December 31st, uh, 2020, this is supposed to expire, uh, supposedly, right guys? Well, it does. I mean, that's it's a hard stop in the legislation. And so Congress needs to extend it. And so I think at the end of the year, like, for example, if someone wants to take leave on December 26th and their 80 hours are going to extend into January, you know, I think it's a hard stop. But I suspect the DOL is going to issue some guidance on that um, for I leave that hasn't been completed as of December 31st. Let's we say a, we yeah. hope the DOL will, and we hope they'll provide guidance before December 31st. Yeah, Correct. we don't We don't know. I mean, as it is, the leave ends there. What if you're in the middle of leave and it was granted, does that leave, you know, kind of stop there? All of a sudden they no longer have the leave when they were granted the leave prior to, I think that that will be the clarifying question that again, DOL, if you're listening, uh, that might be well, what people would like more information about, you know. Well, I think that if the, for example, if they're going to use up 40 hours in the week between Christmas and New Year's, and then they're going to have another 40 after New Year's, is that December 31st stop and the employer is no longer obligated to pay that portion of the leave after December 31st. So right. I think that's going to be, um, a question that a lot of people are going to need some help on, especially if the cases continue to rise during the flu season. Right. Some of the other things I've been talking to businesses about is, is going back over their cleaning protocols, um, reminding, like calling in the managers and saying, let's talk about what does this mean? Let's remember, we can't tell anybody the name of someone who has COVID, right? We've talked about that in other podcasts that, you know, that what that's medical information and what can you do with that? And what can't you do with that? Let's go back to who is your either disaster or pandemic coordinator, whatever you call them. That person needs to be reminding everyone of the policies and procedures in place and the rules. Resend out the, the FFCRA policy that you put in place. Remind your employees things got a little lax over the summer. Now it's back. It's time to tighten that ship. You don't want OSHA coming in, knocking on your door. Right. And here, if you have COVID cases, there are mandatory reporting requirements that you have to meet. And so you want to make sure that you have complied with that. So now is a really good time, um, especially as cases are increasing, to pull out your handbook and actually read the policies that you have in place and make sure you're enforcing them. And if you're not sure how to do it um, to seek out some help, because, you know, a lot of businesses are struggling with this. Um, you know, people aren't alone. This is new for everybody, uh, including us. We just happen to spend a lot more time thinking about this stuff because we <laughs> work with it so often uh, than other businesses. Uh, but, you know, it never helps for a refresher. And we have lots of episodes 
um, that we recorded during COVID um, that can help with all of these issues. You mean it never hurts, right? It never it hurts never, to get a refresh. It never hurts. What did I say? It never helps. Oh, no. <laughs> never hurts. It never, never hurts to have a refresher. What I was meaning is seek help <laughs> if you need it. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, okay. And so, uh, you know, that's all great. I think we'll just before you wrap up here, I think we'll note that, of course, there was some changes that came out of the DOL revising stuff that since um, many of you may have looked at the FF series, so don't forget to um, check that out. I think we have a podcast on that that um, goes through, you know, um, the updates on that, the healthcare um, providers and their exception, as well as um, make sure that you give leave, even if people can't get you the documentation that you you may be requesting for. So, and also it never hurts uh, to check out the Department of Labor website, the EEOC website, and the CDC website for updated information, as well as your state and local regulations, because a lot of that information has been updated since we even did our podcasts on these subjects earlier this year. Great point, Camille. Uh, thanks for joining us again on the Three Bs podcast. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast of Three Bs on the Law. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. We also welcome any comments. If you'd like to get in touch with us or suggest a future topic, you can email us at 3-T-H-R-E-E-B-S-O-N-T-H-E-L-A-W at gmail.com. And because we're lawyers, we need to remind you that this podcast is not meant to provide you with legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.